0: Roger that, Houston. All systems 5x5. Five five. But what if there is
1: no
0: tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Fascinating. Get away from her, you bitch! I'm, I'm Batman. Do, no. or oh, do not,
2: there is no tomorrow. Welcome to the Nerdfest podcast. Today we've got...
1: Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson, John Farley,
3: and
2: I'm Hazel Burton. Guys, you know What?
3: What? What?
2: This is our one-year anniversary of recording this podcast.
3: Oh, wow. Wow. That's why you baked the cake. (laughs) It's lovely. It looks a little bit like some Doritos.
2: (laughs) With salsa dip.
3: Oh, well, push out the birthday boats.
2: (laughs) I don't need to be sentimental, but I think this has been an awesome year. It's been a shit year, personally. <laughs> but the podcast has helped me get through some very bad lows, so thank you.
3: <laughs> we were 21 last week, and now we're one. Are we the Benjamin Button of podcasts? Is this how it works? Oh, it's going backwards. We're going backwards. Like We're just going to be like bawling babies next week.
2: So to celebrate our one-year record, I've got a quiz, and it's a who-said-what quote quiz. I have come up with quotes that all of us have said, and we have to try and guess which one of us said it. Okay. But Before all that, we've got some recommendations, and we're also going to be talking about some nerdy Christmas gifts that we'd like to recommend to listeners, so let's start the show.
3: When we say recommend to listeners, what we mean is we're putting this out in time for if any of our listeners want to buy us Christmas gifts, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's, that's my yeah. intention, certainly. have you got me dan (laughs) well i was your secret santa last year the die-hard nativity it was
2: my secret santa gift is staring at us oh it's ron uh, swanson
1: Swanson, yes
2: so it's recommendations time um here's what we've been watching or reading or listening to over the past couple of weeks dan what have you been up to
1: well mine is a reading recommendation this time it's a book that came out about 30 years ago which I had sadly never got around to until just now when the news of its very, very imminent arrival onto Amazon Prime, and I think BBC Two, is really gearing up, and that's Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. I'm a huge Pratchett fan. I've read just about everything he's written, but Good Omens had always passed me by. After watching the trailer for the new series, I felt compelled to read the original. Just by the look of the trailer, they've cast the characters in that book very, very well indeed. It's the story of an angel and a demon who were sent to Earth. They've been there for about 6,000 years, and now the Antichrist has arrived. The apocalypse is about to happen. But they both quite like Earth, and would rather like to stop the apocalypse happening. Great read. The usual Pratchett humour and wit, with lots of slightly darker Neil Gaimanisms in there as well. There's the odd little thing that's dated slightly from 30 years ago, the occasional cultural reference that I don't think would get into a novel today. But there are still lots of really, really hilarious things in there, like the idea that if you put a cassette into a car within two weeks, no matter what the music is, it will turn into Queen's Greatest Hits. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, if they capture some of that and they've managed to get it into the series, which has got Michael Sheen and David Tennant starring in it, then it should be great. Could be the first great Pratchett adaptation.
3: See, I'm not a massive Pratchett fan, but I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. Is Good Omens more Pratchetty or Gaiman-y?
1: I'd say it's as close to meeting in the middle mm-hmm. as you can get. The way they seem to have written it is, I think Gaiman was living in America at the time, and he'd write in the daytime his time. Pratchett would write in the daytime UK time, and there was only an hour or two per day that they were awake together and corresponding with each other. So there are whole sections that feel like Gaiman, and there are whole sections where you can tell this is a Pratchett bit. Yeah. Gaiman is exec-producing the series, and I think he probably oversaw if he didn't write Very the screenplay. Comes on from what mm. I yeah. from his Twitter. So I think you'll be okay. So do they always write separate sections, or
4: do they sometimes rewrite each other's stuff?
1: I've read introductions that Gaiman's done for it, and I think they did their own sections, and then they looked over what each other had written. Mm-hmm. And... If Pratchett saw an opportunity for a, a good joke or sentence in one of Neil Gaiman's bits, and vice versa, if yeah. Gaiman saw a bit in Pratchett's that needed a bit more character in it, I think that's how they seem to have worked it.
4: You wonder if there's, you know, how like on a Word document you can get history. You imagine where there's some particular paragraph that they have like about 40 different attempts at between the yeah. two of them.
3: The books are quite,
4: you would think, right for adaptation, but no one's ever got it right. The Sky adaptations, I didn't really like the first few, but the last one or two, I thought they were getting better and better. They were starting to understand his voice. Going Postal was one of the best ones. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of the books are reliant on the detail in the background. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily what the characters are doing or saying. As compelling as that can be, the thing that makes it unique to him are the little footnotes and the asides and the bits that you get from a narrator that you don't necessarily fit easily into a TV yeah. adaptation.
2: It's kind of like Tolkien, isn't it? He put so much detail into The Lord of the Rings, it's famously very, very
3: hard to put on screen. Likewise, Hitchhikers, when they made the Hitchhikers film, they took all the little assides and oddities and footnotes out and they, that's the best bit of the book.
1: Yeah, that's probably the closest comparison mm-hmm. I could make to a Pratchett film, but recently announced uh, The Watch is going to be a BBC America series based on his City Watch novels. I don't think it's going to be a straight adaptation of each of the City Watch books. I think they're going to take the characters and make new stories.
3: Oh, well. Is this the one where Death is a detective or something?
1: Death has never joined the Watch. He's always present, as is his wont. but I don't mm-hmm. think he's been in the Watch. He might be in the series, we don't know. But the idea of news stories is probably better from an adaptation point of view, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you don't have to deal with a literal translation of the book. But at the same time, even though Pratchett's daughter's overseeing it, there's that slight worry that it won't quite grab the magic.
3: His daughter the Tomb Raider game? Is that right? Not the film, but the game? Yes.
1: So that's my recommendation. Good omens. Get it read before you get it watched. (laughs) So do you often try and read a book before it gets adapted? Or do you sometimes do it the other way around? If I hear about an upcoming adaptation, and it sounds really good, I do try and read the book first, so that if I read it afterwards, what I imagine in my head isn't coloured by what I've seen mm-hmm. on screen. Like, if I were to have read Lord of the Rings after seeing the films, I would just picture Elijah Wood mm-hmm. as Frodo, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'd have to work really hard in my own head not to do that. And I know a lot of people have done that with Harry Potter Uh and they just see the actors from the film and not necessarily their own version
4: i don't really have a problem with that actually
1: i I don't in some cases there is there are some ones where it's absolutely fine game of thrones i read after it had been on and i was quite happy to picture the actors as the characters but there are other ones where i think i'd like to do my own work first and then compare yeah i had
4: a rather philistine friend who said he he never read books because if they're any good they'd make a film of them
3: Mm -hmm. <laughs> is he still your friend?
4: <laughs> we don't speak often.
3: As ah, you send him emails, and he just doesn't read them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good. He send me a send me a gif, a voicemail.
4: <laughs> My recommendation is a new Coen Brothers movie just released on Netflix called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Has anyone caught that yet? It's only been a few days before I'd like we record. to I'd like to see it very much.
3: Buster Scruggs is my pet name for my penis and scrotum.
4: <laughs> I have not ask which is which. <laughs> so um, it was originally announced as a series of standalone stories, but for some reason it's come out as a long movie, which is like over two hours, of six unrelated stories, all of which are set in the frontier days of the American Wild West, somewhere the Coen brothers have visited before, in No Country for Old Men and True Grit. Each section explores a different scenario, the title character's a singing cowboy who's also crack shot with a pistol. In another, a man's being hanged for cattle rustling. A grizzled prospector's mining for gold. A newly widowed lady's trying to survive on a wagon train when Indians attack. Harry Melling, who played Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter movies, plays a quadruple amputee who performs readings of classic literature nightly on a tiny travelling stage. And a stagecoach full of assorted characters and villains travel across the country. Each features great characters and dialogue, as you'd expect, and some well-known character actors such as Brendan Gleeson, Saul Rubinek, James Franco, Tom Waits and Tyne Daly.
3: Tyne Daly from...
4: From Cagney and Lacey. Cagney and Lacey. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the sound design, especially for the first story, is really excellent. It cuts to a camera shot inside the guitar and it just captures how it would sound if you put the microphone there as well. And the photography is gorgeous. The background scenery just looks amazing.
1: Did they go to Monument Valley? They did for one of them
4: whereas others are green verdant valleys. Yeah. It's a fun watch. The only issue I would have, not all the stories end neatly. I don't mean they all have happy endings. Not many of them do, but the storylines sometimes seem to sort of wander over the hill at the end, rather than reaching a satisfying conclusion.
3: So the stories don't cross over at all? Not they? at all, no. Mm.
4: Which surprised
1: me. Yeah. Is Buster Scruggs a framing device, or is he his own no, story? he's his own story.
4: If you like Coen Brothers movies, you'll probably find plenty to enjoy. And if you've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2, you'll find it familiar territory. It feels a bit like side missions in that game.
3: Because it was a film and then it was a TV series and now it's a film again. Do you get the feeling that maybe they thought the stories were not enough to carry a TV episode each and it's been rethought into a film? Yeah,
4: I don't really know. I've not managed to find anything on the history of why they did that. I know they gave the script to the guy who plays Buster Scruggs in 2002 or something, so it's been Mm. on the go for absolutely years
3: does it need to be a film though does it does anything need to exist (laughs) we're getting deep today (laughs) does anything need to exist
4: did you have a favorite story i enjoyed all of them probably all for different reasons so some you enjoy the puzzle of a story in others it might be you enjoy the characters there's stuff to find in all of it i would say yeah it's well worth seeking out if you like coen brothers movies what's the one about a jazz or blues
1: singer in new york Oh, uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah.
4: yeah, that's the only one I didn't like
1: of theirs. All the rest I really liked. I quite like that one. <laughs> Oscar Isaac. Mm.
4: Hmm.
3: John? My recommendation is... I feel like I should do a drum whirl.
4: My recommendation is... You actually genuinely look like you still haven't decided.
3: <laughs> I had to, but I'm going to go with the Netflix film Apostle. I was just humming in high because you've done a Netflix film. But I believe they don't only allow you to watch one film a fortnight, from what I understand.
1: (laughs) Today's episode is sponsored by Netflix.
3: Yes, if if you would like to send us a free Netflix. (laughs) 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 Whatever that is. A non-corporal stream of bits and bytes.
4: Or perhaps it's a real thing like uh, Subway in Community, where it turns up as a person on your doorstep and recounts uh, the story of all these movies to you.
3: (laughs) I would love Gary Netflix to come round and just tell me what to watch. Like, Gary, you, you are Netflix, because there's a lot of shit on here, what, what should I watch?
4: You'd have to acquaint himself with all the shit you normally watch,
3: John. Yeah, well, he's, he's <laughs> Mr. Netflix, he knows everything, doesn't he? he? He knows... So
2: as soon as you put Titanic 2 on, Gary will go, no, stop Yeah, it.
4: exactly, yeah. yeah. Just slap me across the face. Now he will recommend everything
1: similar to Titanic 2. Yeah. And every four or five hours, no matter what activity you're doing, he'll ask if you're still doing it.
3: Like, making love. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still doing it? Because I fell asleep a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is with Netflix, so you wanted to completely disregard any recommendations that I watch at one o'clock in the morning after I've come back from the pub.
4: That's all do. Perhaps some
1: sort of alcohol test. Should yeah, you got to bleed
3: into the remote control. Are you sure you want to watch Titanic 2?
1: Uh, so, your recommendation hmm. is Netflix.
3: My recommendation is Netflix, you'll find something on there that you'll enjoy. Um, If you want to enjoy something specific on Netflix, I would recommend Apostle, which is the new film from Gareth Edwards. It's the first film he's made since he made The Raid and The Raid 2.
1: Is that not Gareth Evans? Mm -hmm. Gareth Edwards' is Rogue One. One. Uh, Um.
3: I would like to recommend the film Apostle by Gareth Evans. Who made Rogue One and has not, no. <laughs> uh, Gareth Evans, uh, basically, it's a Welsh guy made this film, I would guess. <laughs>
0: Just any, Just Welsh, any guy. Welsh
3: guy. Just any Welsh guy. What was Rolling Rats' mate called? Kevin the Hamster? It's directed by Kevin the Hamster from the Rolling Rats show. It's the only other Welsh person I can think of. Ivor the Engine, perhaps. It's directed by Ivor the Engine.
2: Is it the brother of the waiter that you had
3: last week? Chris yes. Evans? Yes, Chris Evans served me in Wagon Mamas in Newcastle.
4: Avengers hmm. for spoilers.
3: <laughs> Basically, anyone that turns to dust reappears as a waiter in Wagamama's. That's how it works, I think. Did
4: he mistake Wagamama's for Shyamawarma or whatever?
3: Shyamawarma. Was... <laughs> That's a, a 70s boogie band, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, yes, I would like to recommend a, a film made by a Welshman starring Welsh people set in an island off the coast of Wales. So it's rather Welsh. It's the film Apostle by Gareth Evans, who directed The Raid. So basically, it's a horror movie. The lead is a guy from Downton Abbey. I don't know his name. Dan Stevens. Dan, Stevens. Dan That's Stevens. The only name I
2: know from Downton Abbey. He's
4: great in Legion.
3: Having never seen Downton Abbey, I assume he's a bit of rough or a bit of posh. Bit of posh. He is an ex-missionary who has lost his faith. And his sister has been kidnapped and has been held for ransom on a religious community on a small island just off the coast of Wales. He disguises himself as somebody who wants to join the community, goes across on a boat to try and find his sister, and dark and strange things happen. It's very, very Wicker Man or Kill List even. It's kind of got that tone to it where things start normal but get darker and darker. Michael Sheen plays a religious cult leader, he's amazing in it, but he's not quite the character you assume he is at the beginning. And about an hour in, There's a twist that sends it off in enough of a different direction to keep you unsettled and go, well, I don't know where this is going now. It looks amazing. It's another Netflix film that I'm sad not to have seen in the cinema. Annihilation came out last year and that Mm. deserved a big screen and I think this is the same. It's uh, beautifully shot and designed. It's dark and it's grim. My girlfriend walked out at one point. (laughs) She came back a few minutes later, but there was one scene in particular that she just couldn't sit through. But that scene was shot in a way, one shot in particular, that I've not seen before. It's well made, it's a really enjoyable film, and I say it's just a shame that I didn't get a cinema release. How many Welshmen out of ten? Eight Welshmen out of ten. Michael Sheen, I think, is the most valuable player. Don't go in expecting Vade-style action. It's not an action film. Although there's one shot where the bit of posh from Downton suddenly has mad kung fu skills for about five seconds and he makes quite a ludicrous escape. There's one scene that I wasn't overly enamoured with, a very grisly death that the main character is facing, but an overly complicated, slow-moving death where the person is not paying attention and then he makes a, a frankly ludicrous escape. And I was thinking it's like um, the Batman TV series, you know, <laughs> okay. where they're on the conveyor belt going <laughs> yeah. towards like a chopping block or something. And then at the start of the next episode, they conjure a magic escape out of nowhere. So it's basically, it's like the grimmest episode of 1960s Batman you've ever seen. Highly recommended if you've got two hours and you're a cynic who's lost all love for life and want your worldview confirmed as probably correct. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
2: My recommendation is nothing new. There's seven series of it already, but it's new to me. I only started watching it a few days ago.
3: Coronation been... Street.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, watched, I've been watching about 15 episodes. It's a UK game show called Taskmaster. <laughs> so the Taskmaster is Greg Davies, but it's devised and written by a comedian called Alex Horne. And it basically involves five celebrities being set tasks by the Taskmaster. 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 Task. Ta- Taskmaster. Task Taskmaster.
3: <laughs> it's in the name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're very silly tasks, but what I quite like about it is a lot of the time they're not too prescriptive, so it involves a lot of creativity and imagination on behalf of the comedians. There's things like do something that looks impressive backwards, surprise Alex when he comes out of his shed. Possibly my favourite was give Alex a special cuddle. <laughs> where the comedian Ashling B devises a robot outfit called the Cuddlebot 2000 and <laughs> kind of gives him a cuddle that way. But then Bob Mortimer opens up the boot to his Audi A6 and gets Alex to come in there with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty silly show, but what I quite like about it is it doesn't deliberately make fun out of the comedians. It allows funny people to be funny. Because, you know, as improvisers, we don't really like pointing the finger and we like celebrating failure. So when the tasks go wrong, which they quite often do, we like it when somebody puts 100% into kind of going wrong and failing. But equally, the creativity, you can appreciate that as well. So the seven series, it's on UK TV or Dave. And yeah, it's just a really, really, really funny show. So which show.
4: series have you watched?
2: I've watched all the series five with Ashton B, Bob Mortimer, Mark Watson, Sally Phillips and Nish Kumar. Mm-hmm. I've watched all the series three, which uh, comedians, I can't remember. Is that, uh, is that
4: why you're picking? It's based on who was in the series?
2: I don't think there's any particular order you need to watch them in no. because all the comedians are different. It's just having increases for the last few days. It's awesome.
4: And did you find yourself judging the comedian a different way to the way you did before by a bit more exposure to them when they're not doing their stand-up stuff?
2: I didn't know Sally Phillips other than being an actor, doing like Bridget Jones and stuff like Mm. that. But one of the tasks that they set was they had a water cooler and the task was do something that will make people have a water cooler moment. You know, people talk about it. So she took the water cooler into the caravan and simulated having sex with it. (laughs) 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 I love like comedians just being completely brave and just taking an idea and just completely going with it. It's just a really fun show.
3: I think what works well with it is having the same comedians for the whole series, Yeah, which is different to most panel shows. So you've got eight episodes to get to know them and become more invested in them over the series. I think that's a big change. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, there's a certain amount of chemistry that develops between them. Sometimes they're on each other's side and encouraging each other to get more points. Sometimes they develop a bit of a rivalry.
1: It's not just at the end of each task they go, there's some points that don't mean anything. That you've actually accomplished Mm. something by doing the task
4: I love the series I think it's really good and I always enjoy stuff about problem solving and that sort of stuff but there was a tendency to almost like pick someone who would always get zero points for everything and pick on them a bit much through this first few series they don't do that now so that's, that's much better
2: Mm-hmm. No, although there was a very funny moment in Series 5 where Nish Kumar, I can't remember what the task was that he failed on, but he kind of took him aside and put his arm around him and said, like, "What? what is it? Is it, is it self-sabotage? Just <laughs> <Did> you <laughs> put some, pull your socks up <laughs> yeah. and get into it.
3: I think some of the later series, it's a little bit contrived, some of it. I'm not entirely convinced that they're coming up with these solutions on their own. There seems to be sort of some editing going on there. and
4: Well, there definitely is editing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably fair enough. I don't think they give people the solution. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think the idea is them. And that, like, for example, making like a flipbook film, you know, that obviously takes a lot of heavy editing, but the initial idea is theirs. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. They seem to come up occasionally with overly elaborate solutions very quickly.
4: Well, I mean, you are cutting out the deciding process most of the time. I'm prepared to yeah. accept it as fair. I maybe, think. maybe I'm
3: just a cynical man who's <laughs> lost all faith
1: in humanity having watched Apostle.
2: So yeah, don't watch Taskmaster after you just watched Apostle. <laughs> That's a lesson, I think. <laughs> and if
1: anyone would like to join John and his small Welsh island.
3: We've got five comedians and they're going to torture Michael Sheen to death in the most elaborate manner possible. This <laughs>
4: crossover. So how many insane tasks out of ten?
2: I would
4: go for nine insane tests
3: out of ten so far. Yeah, we never asked you how many short cowboy vignette vignette,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we didn't ask. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. How many? Which brothers Which out of ten would you give it? A strong eight. A strong eight. And then good on.
1: omens. Good omens. I would give nine witchfinder generals out of ten.
4: In Blackadder, they have like a witch finder thing and they call in the witch smeller persevant. What's with the persevant bit? I can't remember there is a reason for Persevent. It probably just means they hunt them down, I'm guessing. Like, I think it is. I think it's sort. to
1: do with pursuit. I think they're the person who actually mm. finds it and then the, the general is the person at the court or the trial, but I couldn't be sure. I don't think the witch smeller persevent was an actual te- actual I, But
4: I do base all my history on Blackadder.
1: No, that's fair. <laughs> do
3: they still go to Witch of the Castle?
1: Witches didn't get burned.
3: because they not? That oh. is a
1: misconception. There's, a duck. Certainly not in Britain. Mm. It wasn't really a thing to burn witches at the state. He mm. did all sorts of gruesome and horrible punishments just to punish women for being women, basically. Uh, but that is essentially what, uh, you know, witch trials were. But uh, yeah, burning wasn't a British thing, but everybody thinks it was. Ducking? Yeah. Uh, a lot of the more popular ones I don't think happened as much as people perceive them to have happened. Usually it was just general horrible gruesomeness. And presumably you know the
4: riding broomsticks, where that comes from.
1: I did look this up once. As far as I can remember, and this actually comes up in the Harry Potter a History of Magic exhibition, which goes through these medieval manuscripts and all of the sources that have informed what we think of. And I th- think it was because witches were generally women and women generally stayed at home doing domestic tasks. So she doesn't just clean up with it. She flies on it as well.
2: I'm going to come and protest your flying lessons at Annick Castle. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm. That's not what my wife told me. Ah, She says it's something to do with the sticks and there are sticks which secrete something. And by rubbing it on certain parts of your body, it can apparently make them high. And that's what they're supposed to have done as, you know, running naked in the woods, orgy rubbing sticks on their private parts, supposedly. And that's why people thought they were riding the
3: broomstick. Is your wife trying to give an explanation (laughs) as to what she was doing in the woods with that With the vacuum cleaner.
1: (laughs) May well be possible. Yeah, they might have omitted that bit from the family-friendly exhibition. Yeah, I think it was German woodcuts were the first depictions of witches Mm -hmm. on broomsticks. It wasn't really a thing before that. And then one person does it and everybody goes, oh yeah, that's what they do. And it becomes a thing. Mm. And soon you lose the initial reason why that was the case. It's like um, with punk,
4: the thing about fashions and safety pins and things, which all just comes from some newspaper article where someone tried to invent what they might possibly wear as a fashion. And then everyone believed that's what they did. So everyone who was trying to be a punk would go around wearing safety Mm -hmm. pins.
3: Would a more modern witch ride a vacuum cleaner? Would a (laughs) middle-class witch ride an Eastern European cleaner? (laughs) Um,
2: What's what's that Twinkly Nose one that Nicole Kidman played? Didn't she ride a vacuum cleaner? Bewitched is the
1: series. Yeah, didn't she ride a vacuum
3: cleaner? Oh, Oh, actually, the credits to Bewitched, yeah, 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 yeah. the cartoon series, yeah. It's been done, John. Damn it. Plagiarist. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean? I wish they changed that halfway through the series and yeah. no one noticed? I wish they'd done that with the film. Just a place we'll fill with John yeah. C. Riley, just not mentioned <laughs> it. <him. Yeah. laughs>
2: so, as everyone knows, Nerdfest is a public service podcast. And as we are in the run-up to Christmas, we thought we would search that their internet and come up with some ideas for our listeners
3: to give as nerdy Christmas gifts. Can I just said I got distracted. Uh, did you know there's porn on the internet?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah,
1: they put it yeah. on about a month ago.
4: Oh! Won't be seeing John again.
2: <laughs> so my recommendation is something called the Geeky Chef Cookbook. Basically, if you wanted to know how to make recipes from films such as Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Pulp Fiction, Doctor Who, loads and loads of films. They actually include the ingredients of famous things like lambrus breads, the kahuna burger, butter beer, things like that.
4: So, Are these made up things or just things that are popularly associated with a movie?
2: Um, is made up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I've had
4: butterbeer. But yeah. say Pulp Fiction wouldn't necessarily have made up things in it. I'm, I
2: don't know, like, copyright-wise, how they got around it, but yeah. I guess, like, they've used their imagination in a lot of things, because, like, Lambus bread from Lord of the Rings, one small bite is enough to fill the stomach of a full-grown man. I don't know how you do that. So I'm guessing they use their imagination.
1: I'd love to try Lambus bread. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, so there's there's 60 recipes... It includes things like from TV as well, so Game of Thrones.
1: Not the wow.
3: pie. The Lannister pie. <laughs> or Frey pie. Frey
1: pie. Frey Bantos
3: pie.
4: pie.
2: <laughs> it is available for twelve ninety nine from Firebox, whatever the hell that is. It's a website. That'll be where I got it from then. Yeah.
4: Well, I think the best Christmas present to get someone would be from the range of Nerdfest gifts. <laughs> oh, <thank laughs> <my God. laughs> Where you can find T-shirts, mugs. Notebooks for your favourite <laughs> podcast. I am <laughs> the leggings. Had to put that in there. Um, one the Why wei- do
3: we get 10,000 pairs of those leggings made?
4: <laughs> one of the weirdest things I found was the giant Lego Porg for 60 quid. I'll, I'll show the people so, here a, a <laughs> picture of it, which is just ludicrous. It's apparently about eight inches high. That's terrifying. Jesus. Isn't, it? Isn't that just strange? It looks
3: like it got pests. <laughs> I was going to say that.
4: Still oh. want it. <laughs> it? You can't cuddle it though. Fifty nine pounds
1: ninety nine.
4: Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You
1: could buy a real pork for that.
3: <laughs> could. And then <it> eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in the
2: recipe book. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Moving on. Um, I think my big nerdy Christmas gift idea would be the PlayStation Mini console that mm. uh, is out in early December. Following on from the trend of Nintendo re-releasing the NES and the SNES as mini consoles with a certain number of pre-loaded games, Sony's jumped on the wagon and they're doing the same with the PS1.
3: Yeah. No Parappa the Rapper.
1: No Parappa mm. the Rapper, but you get Tekken 3, Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy 7. Crash Bandicoot. They already re-released Crash Bandicoot mm. as his own thing. Same with Spyro the Dragon, who's just...
2: love Spyro the Dragon. He's just My been favorite.
1: remastered for PS4.
2: But then I'd have to buy a PS4.
1: But Spyro.
3: There's your Christmas gift idea here now a PS4. <laughs>
4: <laughs> With Spyro. I've got more expensive suddenly. Yeah.
1: But I dare say it would be something that would be very, very exciting and then maybe gets a little bit more boring as you realise the limits of that generation of gaming as opposed to today. But for a short term nostalgia kick, mm. I still quite want one.
3: I'm a big retro gamer, and I think that the first-generation of PlayStation games are probably the worst ones to try and bring back. The SNES worked really well. Mm -hmm. The the SNES was the pinnacle of the 2D. Mario-style
4: game. Yeah, Yeah. it was
3: like the second or third generation. They'd got that hardware. They knew how to make those type of games. You play PlayStation 1 games, the controls are so clunky. They're not quite mastered 3D properly yet. And I think low quality, low resolution 3D gaming looks a lot worse than 2D gaming. Uh, I think Tekken 3 might still hold up, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those games are much less fun to play than you would remember.
2: Yeah, but you are a cynical asset. I am a arse cynical arsehole,
3: arse. arse, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Should we just stick to Spyro Remastered then?
3: Mm. Spyro Remastered, oh my Christmas recommendation. Mm. Just get Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. It's very good.
1: We have just, just started playing it. We've wandered through the snow a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, but I was catching up with South Park this weekend and a running theme through the last two episodes is that every single character from the kids to Satan is also playing red dead redemption 2 (laughs) uh, on the side and one of the subplots involves the chief of police who's busy trying to solve a series of grisly murders uh keeps going home just to relax and play some red dead redemption 2 and his (laughs) wife has continued on his save game
3: oh yeah
1: it is tense
3: i had to go back an hour because my horse died mr red me and mr red have bonded over the last few weeks I pet him, I stroke him, I take him for rides. This the isn't going pleasant, is it? The controls are not quite like the controls of normal games.
4: Oh, <laughs> blame the controls!
3: So I sat on the back of Mister Ed, pushed what would be the accelerate button to make Mister Ed go faster, <laughs> and, and, and shot Mister Ed in the back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> and I ran to the nearest town and I bought some horse medicine and came back, but no. <laughs> Mr. Ed had passed on. Oh. So luckily I'd saved about half beforehand. I redid three missions just to get Mr. Ed back.
1: <laughs> Shall we have My Lovely Horse from Father Ted playing <laughs> underneath that?
4: I'm sure Louise was telling us he kept riding him off a cliff and stuff I, like I, that. Yeah,
3: when I first got onto it, I was riding. <laughs> Once you get used to them, they're spot on, but it's such a complex game that buttons do more than one thing. Like, you've got long fesses, and uh, there's quite a big learning curve with it, but it's, uh, it's the best thing I've played in since Grand Theft Auto V.
1: I've got some mini recommendations for Christmas.
3: You've mm. already recommended a PSP mini.
1: Yeah, I know. This is the mini nerd Christmas bookshelf. Okay. Lots of good books coming out this Christmas if you want to do some reading by the fire. We mentioned Empire's Helen O'Hara recently. <laughs> She's got a book out, The Best 80s Movies, which I assume will be articles and essays on... It's just all the ...movies hard. in the 80s. It, die Hard will be in there, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, the Oral History of Black Mirror by Charlie Brooker is out as a book. Oh, yes, if anybody would like to get me that, please. Uh, the first official Firefly tie-in novel <gasps> called Big Damn Hero by Nancy Holder, who used to be one of the best writers of Buffy tie-ins, which I used to read religiously when I was a teenager. Fire and Blood. Three hundred years before A Game of Thrones: A Targaryen History by George R. R. Martin. I'm
3: not buying that. I'm refusing to buy any George R. R. Martin book that will encourage him to spend time doing anything <laughs> other than writing yeah. the next novel.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's Marvel Studios: The First Ten Years, uh, a history of Marvel Studios, how it came to be the world-conquering juggernaut that it is. Not to be confused yes. with the juggernaut, obviously, with Vinny Jones. No, and a new Star Wars book called Case Files on the Galaxy's Most Notorious Scum and Villainy, which is new short stories about some of the criminals and general nasty people in the Star Wars galaxy, but with really nice artistic illustrations accompanying it as well. Hmm. And that's written by Pablo Hidalgo from the Lucasfilm Story Group. So Hmm. books, many books, all the books.
2: I, I also saw a book which I thought was quite interesting. It's called The League of Regrettable Superheroes half-baked heroes from comic book history
1: bought it in new york last month <laughs> Really, i did yeah there is a follow-up of super villains haven't read superheroes yet my main problem with all these book recommendations and the eight living on the bookshelf at the moment that i haven't got round to is that i can't really justify buying new books until i finished current books so mm. uh I'm just trying to read through as many as possible, as quickly as possible, so I can have more. But yeah, it looks really Definitely good. you spent ages on the train, then, then you'd have plenty of chance to read. Well, uh, I will have spent five hours on trains by the end of today, and I did bring my book with me. What book are you reading at the moment? I'm halfway Through the Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss, uh, second in The Kingkiller Chronicles, soon to be adapted by Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. Oh. Customary mention. But yeah, the League of Regrettable Superheroes, we saw that in a bookshop in the Chelsea Market in New York and thought, that looks really fun. No, we have enough books, but then went back the following day and bought it. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I can see why. Because the synopsis is, so you know about Batman, Superman and Spider-Man, but have you heard of Dollman, Doctor Hormone or Spider-Queen? Prepare yourself for things like Bee Man, which is Batman but with bees. The Clown, which is a circus-themed crime buster. Or the eye, which is just a giant floating eyeball.
4: So, are these (laughs) real ones that have been in comics at times, or are these ones someone's made up?
1: These are real ones that have been in comics. Unless this book takes off and becomes wildly, wildly popular and a bestseller, do be prepared for me to use it in future film before (laughs) film loves Right.
4: (laughs) Hazel mentioned a a cookbook before, and just in sort of scanning the internet for this article, one of the things I spotted was the official Hunger Games cookbook, which just. (laughs) What a weird thing to choose for a cookbook. Hunger Games. Peter Bread, I assume. I've no idea. And the other thing I saw, which I thought would fit nicely with Dan's suggestions, was a pair of bookends style after the game portal. So you've got someone entering one of the bookends, the other half of the person's exiting the bookends at the other end of the bookshelf. Yep.
3: Not Christmassy, but something that's coming out, I think will make a nice gift. They have re-released in Ultra HD... Some Ultra HD. Ultra HD. Um, some 4K restorations of John Carpenter films, and I've been to see a couple of them at the cinema. They've been doing sort of one-night cinema re-releases. So there is The Fog, Escape from New York, They Live, and Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness in particular is a film that's not been well looked after over the years. There's always some very, very poor quality DVDs out there, and they look great. They look like brand-new films. They Live actually struggle slightly in that some of the effects don't hold up to the digital 4K and you can see Rowdy Roddy's eyeliner <laughs> and her lipstick and rouge on there. Some of these films probably when they were made to be seen once on Not the Greatest Prince even though it shows up in the occasional floor they just I mean mm. they look absolutely beautiful.
4: So it was literally a Prince of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay, to celebrate our one-year anniversary of recording this podcast, we're going to do... that
3: mm-hmm. It'll feel like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, it was, but you wouldn't stop talking.
2: <laughs> we are going to celebrate with a special quiz that I've devised, and it's going to be a Who Said That quiz. So mm. I have gone through the archives of Nerdfest Podcasts. Picked out some things that people have said and you as a team need to decide which one of us nerds the quote okay. is attributed to. For a bonus point, can you name the actual episode? Oof. Okay. Bloody hell. <laughs> so uh, yeah, feel free to discuss your answer before mm. submitting it.
3: Are you ready to go? Can I just say the people that edit this podcast and listen to it 10 times probably have an advantage here.
1: We're working as a team. It's fine. <laughs> we can only win.
3: And somebody's at a massive disadvantage.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've, I've only been able to listen to three episodes. <laughs> yeah,
4: we should point out Dan doesn't normally listen to the episodes he's in, just because he doesn't like listening to his own voice like many people. And if that's not a ringing endorsement of the podcast, I don't know what he is. He does like
3: listening to his own voice like many people. He's many people don't like listening to Dan. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I don't blame them. We sometimes do a Dan-like version where we just edit out Dan all the way through the entire episode and just put gaps instead anyone who'd like that just hamilton and porks
1: and that's all you need just assume i'm talking about one of the two can
3: can we have as an extra feature at the end when we did that for the episode with the harry potter quiz where we cut out dan asking the questions all we had was heads going motherfucker hell i I am an official
1: hq harry potter quiz champion i'll have you know i won 49p on hq Mm. the other night for the harry potter special quiz what was the 12th question it was what sport does dumbledore like to play and it was something like table tennis, 10-pin bowling, or lawn darts, or something like that. Apparently, it's 10-pin th- bowling. Oh, uh, so was awesome.
3: that, I guess, at the, the last one? Uh, it
1: was, and I think I've read this somewhere, but I can't know for sure. The rest were all pretty fine. Of course, actually. J.K. Rowling did retrofit what sport he was good at. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, just if you want to know retrofitting, you should go and see the new Fantastic Beasts. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, so quiz time? Yeah? Okay. Who said this? Nobody loves me, I'm all alone, so I'm just going to go and watch some mediocre pornography.
4: That has to be. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt, that is John Farming.
3: If that's anybody other than me. It <laughs> uh,
2: is, John. Do you know which episode it's from?
1: All of them. Or the context, yeah, at nice least.
3: It's of <laughs> this one the Star Trek, talking about Star oh, Trek. This is, no, this Spock. is
1: after we all turned to dust, after talking about Infinity War. Uh, Nope. Nope. If that was right at the end of the
4: episode, he wouldn't have a chance for that to be the case. I think it was about five or six episodes ago, but it could be longer.
2: Can I tell you?
3: Mm -hmm. Okay,
4: please.
2: Um, It is from episode 13, Be a Hero, and it is in. Ian's film buffer bluff where which is a cinema related or bluff he talks about cinemas which had additional rooms and oh, John's God. brain immediately went to crywanking and we had to tell Ian what crywanking actually is
4: Actually I think I started like the crywanking. <laughs> no, not, not the actual <laughs> thing, not not the actual, not thing. The actual thing.
2: Number 2, who said this? I give it 8 rhinos out of 10 and one mini rhino
3: that's got to be Ian talking about... Black Panther. No, um, the
4: Jumanji sequel. The rhinos was more of an issue for Black Panther.
1: No, when it came to Jumanji, he, Ian was more focused on Karen Gillan than, any yeah. than anything. Yeah.
3: Okay, so it's a, it's a Black Panther review. Was this where I was arguing about whether there were giant rhinos yes. or normal rhinos? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I
4: still think John. Because okay. he bore a grudge about the size of the rhinos. Yeah, agreed. Is John going to be the John answer to all these saying?
2: questions? I can't, remember
3: saying, I can't remember saying most things.
2: Okay. You going John? Yeah. It was me. Oh, okay. well, It was my uh, review for Black Panther. Yes, you, so you're correct in the context, but it was me who gave eight and a half right. rhinos to uh, Black Panther. So I'm going to leave you one for the correct context. Uh, okay, number three. Who said this? You'll be around the front. Ian. I'll be around the back saying, pass me the crisps,
3: please.
1: Definitely, Ian. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is, a, yeah, this is, is this a uh, Chris Hemsworth tree. Yeah, survey? this is the yeah.
1: Hemsworth tree, isn't it? It's Two, a bit Wilson yeah. Chris Hemsworth Yes. <laughs>
4: yeah. But yeah. was it the episode called Chris Hemsworth tree? I
2: do mention Chris Hemsworth in every episode. No, so, but... yeah. yeah, it was uh, It was a Chris Hemsworth episode tree, okay. yeah. And it was Ian who got distracted by the idea of, yes, he's a bit of <laughs> <because laughs> <laughs> But I did start the whole thing because, Dan, you were doing a review of all of the Marvel films in preparation for Infinity War. Yes. You got onto Thor and you're explaining how the first few films weren't great. And then I kind of said, yeah, but you still want to climb like a tree, wouldn't you? Mm. Then things escalated from there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've got a story about a shirtless Chris Hemsworth for you that I learned the other day.
2: Is it
3: visual?
1: Uh, yes, he's round the corner right now.
3: <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: when John Krasinski was auditioning for Captain America, he saw a shirtless Chris Hemsworth walk past the audition room, clearly must be screen testing for Thor or something, took one look at Hemsworth and went, I'm not Captain America, <laughs> and uh, did not get the part. <laughs> so uh, yeah, shirtless Chris Hemsworth meant that we didn't get a John Krasinski Captain America.
3: I would have liked to have seen a John Krasinski Captain America. Mm.
1: But I guess back then he must have still been on the office. Yeah. Like a quiet place was years away. Jack Mm. Ryan was years away. Now I think he could do it. Yeah. But yeah, it was shirtless Chris Hemsworth's fault.
2: Mm, I'm prepared to accept the consequences. (laughs) 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 Okay, number four. Who said this? I think
3: there's Hitler DNA in porgs. Would that be other Ian, Ian Mayer?
1: Yeah, I would never say such a thing about porgs.
3: We were. We know the episode. Going back very early days, we were talking about Jurassic World.
1: Jurassic Mm -hmm. World? No porgs in that.
2: Uh, You are on the right lines.
3: There was some discussion about dinosaur DNA and why didn't we just put Hitler in a dinosaur? Uh, (laughs) Oh. Oh. Ian
4: Ian Mayer had the stuff about where he kind of combined all the worst things possible in DNA, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That then. I'm trying to guess who, though. We'll go with Ian. We'll go with Ian. Fair enough. Ian Mayer.
2: It was John. Ah. (laughs) exactly right context though that was episode two burgers and dinosaurs where we were talking about trailers for jurassic world
1: and infinity war one instance Mm -hmm. where i should have listened to myself and not gone to see the film
2: (laughs) (laughs) number five they could just get jeff goldblum to fly a giant spaceship into thanos's glove
4: we talked about that movie in two episodes
1: there was one where we did the trailer another one where we actually reviewed the movie who likes independence day the most? and therefore is most likely to bring up.
3: Even Will Smith doesn't like Independence Day the most.
1: I think this is a Hazel quote.
3: I think it's Dan. It would have been on our minds, though, because that that awful, awful sequel.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that. lucky man. It's Ian McLaughlin.
2: Um, It's a very funny moment where we're speculating on what happens in Infinity War in the episode Karen Gillan Rides a Rhino. (laughs) And he's like, oh yeah, it's an Independence Day
0: joke.
1: Uh, remember that at all. i don't remember that at all
2: <laughs> okay next one very short quote this one burn her
4: <laughs> that's me <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you still bear a grudge about that don't you no <laughs> said with such authority i agree it was you
3: <laughs> what was the context uh, <laughs> did, did oh it was it, the, the it
4: was hazel said she hadn't seen something um, and it was a particularly obvious film that she should have seen, like, I don't know, Die Hard or something. It wasn't Die Hard. I've
2: seen Die Hard plenty I of know, times. but it was
4: <laughs> something of a similar ilk.
2: Yep. One hazard, I guess, at one of my shameful gaps.
3: So this was something you did as a shameful gap?
2: Yeah.
4: I know we recorded it at Ian's, because mm-hmm. I remember where I was sitting when I said it. Yep. Oh, um, Zombieland.
2: Correct. It's episode 13, Be a <laughs> Hero. And I admitted, you know, to my eternal shame that I'd never seen Zombieland and Peter's very sympathetic about that.
4: <laughs> Bad <Burn> hair. <laughs> Back to the witch smell of persistent. Well,
1: indeed, yeah.
2: Okay, next one. I think Black Panther is going to be Marvel's first
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, That'll be, that'll be Ian McLaughlin. <laughs> That's John in episode one or two, right at the start. Set his cards out.
2: Yeah. Um, I know that was an easy one, but I just wanted to put in a timely reminder that <laughs> yeah. uh, John predicted massively wrong. Oh, it was episode two, uh, Burgers and Dinosaurs again. Mm. Yes.
3: For the record, I don't think Avengers 4 is going to do that well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a few more to go. All right. Next one is, I believe your cup of shit story is a cup of shit.
4: Oh, uh, <laughs> OK. That was to me. It was about Coco, where I'd said that
1: Coco was...
3: a cup of shit.
2: In Brazil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an Ian thing. Yes. I would go with Ian for that. It's Dan. Oh. Uh, ah, okay. <laughs> so foul mouthed, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that a buff or bluff? Yes. It yes, was, yes.
3: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, ate chocolate afterwards, as I
1: recall <laughs> <laughs> Was that the plop?
3: We had a we yeah. had a plop afterwards. Mm.
2: Yeah. We all went for that one. Uh but it was your Arnold Schwarzenegger one that was the real one, remember? Like no matter words you got paper per minute?
4: Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay, next one. The writers brew more genre excretia at the proverbial fan than a gorilla in captivity hurls turds at visitors.
4: That has to be Dan in a, the stream of hate that was his Jurassic World review. I never mentioned a gorilla.
1: I'm no. fairly confident. That could be Ian from The Void.
4: I think that could be a pizza. No. Yeah, no. I don't think so.
1: Not me. It's not you. I'm fairly confident I wouldn't have been so restrained <laughs> when referring to Jurassic World. Don't know. Don't know.
2: It was Mr. Ian McLaughlin when he was prosecuting Lost in nerd court. (laughs)
1: The very first nerd court that we did. Someone's
2: going to nerd jail, episode six. Mm.
1: Hashtag never forget, hashtag justice for Lost.
2: And your final quote to round off this quiz. I'm really looking forward to it. The film, not the dildo.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's Hazel. Yeah, Yeah, that will be Avengers. Uh, Yeah, yeah. and it's about the Bruce Willis dildo, isn't it?
2: That's absolutely correct. Yes, <laughs> that is again a very smutty episode. Karen Gillen rides a rhino, where we got onto the subject of
3: Bruce Willis still You know they're selling those now with lifetime guarantees because apparently they're unbreakable.
1: <laughs> so to hear all of these quotes in context, Peter, where can somebody <laughs> go?
4: <laughs> you can find all the old episodes still on iTunes and on Google Podcasts.
2: So your score at the end of that round was thirteen out of twenty. It's very good. Very Thanks. Good?
4: Yeah, it's like we don't know what the hell we're saying. No, so that's,
3: that's not as bad as I thought because, <laughs> I mean, I mean, even we don't listen to this shit. So.
4: <laughs> so, Hazel, did you listen to all the episodes to do that?
2: I kind of had an idea on some of the quotes I wanted to use and then I listened to bits and pieces for inspiration for the other ones. But I was kind of went down a smutty route. <laughs> as
1: we <laughs> often do. John's eyes just lit up <laughs> at that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> What did you do
3: last night, (laughs) Cheryl? I went down a smutty route. (laughs) The
2: A1058, (laughs) Post road. (laughs) And that's all we've got time for for this Nerdfest episode. Um, Since it is a year since we've been doing this, we'd like to say a special thank you to all of our listeners. We love you deeply. And thank you very much for listening.
3: Most of you. We love you long time. Yeah, we love, we love most of them.
2: <laughs> Who don't we like?
3: Uh, there's a guy in China that listens. Okay. Yeah, and uh, he says bad things about us on the internet. <laughs> but luckily I don't read Chinese, so I'm just assuming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it
3: looks threatening. It's got lots of exclamation marks.
2: So check us out on social media at Nerdfest UK We're on Twitter and Facebook. We'll be back for another episode very shortly. But in the meantime, you've been listening to...
4: Dan Watkins, Peter Johnson.
3: A man horrified by what Dan said over the last year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm Hazel Burton. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: can we have as an extra feature at the end where we cut out Dan asking the questions? Ooh.
2: Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. I don't know. So I'm going to guess uh, ready player one. <laughs> yes. Uh, as in the actual words you used. Um. Uh, tears. Um. Oh my God. I can't believe this. Who died? <laughs> like holy motherfucker. Hamilton. <laughs>